we give us a victory, a victory. I am victorious. Yes, I am victorious. Glory be to God. He gave me a victory. Victory, I am victorious. Yes, I am victorious. Glory be to God. He gave me a victory. A victory, I am victorious. Yes, I am victorious. Glory be to God. He gave us a victory. Now, this morning I want to speak what I titled the Gospel of Peter. I want to show you the fact that anyone who would not come to Christ is condemned already. And actually, Apostle John wrote about that in John chapter 3, verse 18. The scripture says, Anyone that refuses to believe on the Son of God is condemned already. Not that he will be condemned. He had been condemned. Hallelujah. So, it was not just what the synoptic writers wrote, but that it is the truth of the scriptures. That Christ is the way, Christ is the truth, and Christ is the life. That nobody can actually come to the Father except by Him. So anyone who fails to come to this one called Christ can never receive eternal life. But then, although Apostle Peter did not write any synoptic Gospels, but then his perception of the Gospel, what he believes the Gospel is all about, is declared in his message. In other words, he never wrote an epistle. But was the first man God used to reach out to the Jew, uh, to the non-Jews rather, Cornelius. He was, he, he was the one God sent to Cornelius. And while in the house of Cornelius, the scriptures told us of the facts that as he ministered, God anointed those people with the Holy Ghost as he did the Jews. Then that experience brought Peter to a point where he knows that God is actually no respecter of animal. Uh, but then he made us to realize that this Christ Jesus is the one God had ordained. And anyone who would not come to term with what God had arranged in Christ is condemned already. Now I want to show you what I believe to be the gospel of Peter and actually the gospel of Peter. Because, you know, the gospel is the word Joagelion. And Joagelion means a message or a glad tidings. So, Apostle Peter was sent by the angel of the Lord to the house of one just man, but who needed to be saved, which, who was Cornelius. So, when he got there, Cornelius had to tell him how he got to know that there is one Peter in Joppa. Then after the narration, Peter picked off and repeated something that we must need to know, which is very essential in our knowledge of God. It is equally expedient to note that 
the popular statement of this message apostle peter preached is found in verse 38 of Acts chapter 10 where he talks about how god anointed jesus christ of nazareth with the holy spirit and with power who went about doing good and eating all who were oppressed by the devil for god was with him but then apostle peter had more than this in mind now when we read from verse 33 through 34 we get the gist of what is on god's mind now let me read from 33 so i went to you so i sent to you immediately that is cornelius talking and you have done well to come now therefore we are all present before god to hear all the things commanded you by god then peter opened his mouth and said in truth i perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fakes him and works to righteousness is accepted by him. In every nation, whoever fears him, God accepts him and works righteousness accepted by him. Verse 36, the one which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, is the lord of all now that adjoining statement is the lord of all was not coincidental the apostle wants us to know that christ is the one ordained by god and it's not the one just ordained by god he is the owner of all things now if we want to render that statement is the lord of all you can also render it to be is the inheritor of all things so Christ did not just create things and lose the power of creation when man fell. Now he created all things, man fell from the plan, but yet he is still the creator and he is still the Lord, the owner of all things. And finally he wants to hold you. He wants to hold you. Because already he owned all things. Now look at what Colossians chapter 1 says. On this issue Colossians chapter 1 I'm going to read from verse verse 15 is the invisible image is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created through him and for him and is before all things and in him all things consist and is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he may take preeminence for it pleased the father that in him should dwell all the fullness of Godhead, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him whether things on earth or things in heaven or things having made peace through the blood of his cross and you once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works yet now he has reconciled now from this red scriptures we see the profile of jesus christ that jesus is not just in the class of god he is god and he had come to represent God. The scripture says he is the manifestation of God. 
and then one thing again is that we've got to see that it's not just the manifestation of god through him all things were made now this is a post post version of the reality of christ that the christ we have come to know is not just um, a compassionate savior alone he is both a savior of the world he is both the savior of the world as well as he is the lord of the earth I mean, the owner of the head is the owner of the head because in the scriptures we read that all things were created through him and for him. And since all things were created through him and for him, it means that he owns all things. And it pleased the Father that even now, he will plague in him all the fullness of God head bodily. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and enter the seat according to the tradition of men according to the basic principles of the world and not according to christ for in him dwells all the fullness of the godhead bodily that is christ is the expression of god and is the tangible expression of god and everything that is contained in god both character both faith both benevolence anything you could think of in god are found in christ because they have been placed in christ christ is not just the fullness of god but that in him the fullness of god dwells it's not just the invisible image of God, but that he carried all the essential, invincible components of God. He shares the attributes of God in essence. Christ is omniscient. Christ is omnipotent. Christ is omniscience. He is the Alpha and the Omega like God is. He is the beginning as God is. So he does not only know the history of God, he is God himself. And that is why John, in his gospel, in the synoptic chapter one began to give us another version of jesus's biography he wrote and i quote in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and and the word was god he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made in him was life that is in the world was life and the life was the light of man and light shines into darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. Now the thought breaks there. From verse 6, there was an introduction of John the Baptist, the reason of John's existence, the reason for the life of John. I mean, the, 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 there was a summary of John's life's purpose. But then we move to a very interesting part of the scriptures where John told us that the word became flesh. So from verse 6, to verse 13 there were other things that were spoken about john but now the story connects back in verse 12 in verse 14 rather where he says that the word that was in the beginning the word that was with god the word that was god in the beginning became flesh and it dwelt among us now this is a first person narrative techniques or a first person narrator saying that look we are not just writing to you our convictions in religion we are not just writing to you dogmatically we are not just writing to you the tenet of our faith or our doctrines we are presenting to you a tangibility a reality we came into he says that in the beginning that is you know he's talking about the beginning of god himself not the beginning of creation 
So in the beginning we have here is different from the beginning of Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. The account in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That beginning was narrating the beginning, the inception of the creation of things we can see and which we cannot see perhaps. But then in John chapter 1, we are not reading about the beginning of creation. We are reading about the story of God. I like calling this verse the story of God. And why do I call it the story of God? In fact, John chapter 1, John crystallizes what he meant when he wrote first in the synoptic gospel as the beginning now he wrote in john chapter 1 from verse 1 the which was from the beginning and what is that that, that had been from the beginning the scripture says in the beginning was the world was the world and what is the word the scripture says that the word was god because it was with god so all things were made through him and without him nothing is made that is made a name is life, and a life is the light of man. So this story we have here is the story of God himself. You know, God does not just want us to believe him dogmatically. Like I said in one of the teachings I did lately, I said God is not an undisclosed father seriously guarding that people would not know him. He wants himself to be known. He wants to unravel himself. He didn't just only speak about himself without revealing his essence, without revealing his attributes. He spoke in the Bible and he revealed himself. And even beside revealing himself, he didn't just reveal himself by just talking more about himself or giving people out-body experience into heaven or, 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 or making them to see visions. Now, he actually did a practical in that he manifested in human form. The scripture says that in the beginning, in the beginning was the word. Now, it says in the, in the beginning, that is from the inception God had been. What is that inception? We don't know. But from the start of things, from the very point of things, it's just like you want to build a house. Before any other material came to that site where you are building, they had been the land. The land had been there. How long that land had been, you don't know until you acquire it. It is the time when somebody brought you to buy that property that you came to meet the land. But the land had been. Now, when I say my house is located at number seven, this, 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 this district, that is the address of my house. And then if I'm asked, when do I acquire, when did I acquire that property or when did I start building, I will date it to the time I start building but before the construction begins the land had been there for ages how long it had been there we don't know who the land belonged to before it became a, we don't know so yeah apostle john said in the beginning at the start of all things god had been so we can begin to understand that there is no mystery in the world that god himself do not know about there is no history in the world that god himself is not a part of there is nothing that had happened in history or in time that would ever take god on awareness because in the beginning he was there whether the fall of man or the rebel of Lucifer or the fall of the Tower of Babel or the flood that wiped out the earth or the slavery of Israel for 400 years or their captivity in Babylon for, for, for 70 years or the invasion of Cyrus 
the fall of the kingdom of Medias and Persias, the rise of the king of the Greek kingdom, the fall of the Greek kingdom, the rise of the Roman kingdom, the fall of the Roman kingdom, the rise of Catholicism, and even the present world. In the beginning, God had been involved. So you understand he has a plan. And for him to be involved means that he had a plan. But that's not what I'm really actually heading to. I really want to mention the fact that he was not just in the beginning. He had a plan. Creation did not just evolve. God deliberately created things. And it's not just an absentee God. It's a God that is involved. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and God is the word and verse 14 says that the word now changes position why as the word changes position because God wanting to reveal himself so it becomes that the goal of God is to reveal himself or let me say this way one of the first thing God wants to do to you before he gives you religion or faith is to reveal himself is to disclose himself. He wants to be known. He wants to be related with. So John again recounting what he had written earlier. Wrote in First John chapter 1. That the which was from the beginning. And what is that that was from the beginning? God. He said that which we have heard. The same thing that was in the beginning. This God that was in the beginning we have heard him. We have seen him with our eyes. We have looked upon him. That is we have examined him. We have walked closely with him. And our hands have handled concerning the word of life now that which he calls the word of life is that which is also called the world that which he calls the word of life is that which he refers to when he says in the beginning that which was from the beginning that which i have present to you this the god we call now father because christ presented him as father to us who was in the beginning who is the creator of the world is still the same jesus christ because he is the one that created us look at what we read in colossians the scripture says through him all things are created he is the expression of the invincible god and in hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 the scripture says that is the personality of god he is the person of god and is the brightness of the glory of god so christ is not just in the class of deities christ himself is god and check what john chapter 1 verse 1 tells us he said in him is life and the life is what illuminates man. And this light shines into darkness. And the darkness cannot comprehend it. Now we've got to begin to prove what the darkness is all about. Now the darkness that is mentioned there is not the darkness we saw in Genesis. The obvious darkness. Now the darkness Apostle John is definitely talking about here. Is the activities and the influence of darkness. I mean the devil on them human race the devil had clouded human race such that they cannot see god such that they grope in darkness in ephesians chapter chapter 4 apostle paul talks about the life of the gentiles he said that their understanding is 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 alienated from god he said it is he said they are alienated from god number one and that their understanding is darkened in 
second corinthians chapter 4 he talks about the fact that if the gospel is it said it is it from those who mind the god of this world had blinded that is he had he had, he had clouded their mind with darkness he had made their mind foggy full of confusion they cannot assess god in Acts chapter 17 apostle paul was teaching the Athenians, made them realize the fact that god had made man to grow in darkness so a man can realize that by his own effort he can not see or locate God because he is in a cage he is he has been locked up in darkness so God knowing that mankind cannot reach him out to manifest so it takes God who knows the history who was in the beginning and who knows what man needs to appear to deliver man so in the beginning was the world let's go back there John chapter 1 In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. That is the word. Now the word with God means that he is one with God. Or is same place with God. They are found together. They are inseparable. In other words, there are two personalities or two identities here. We have the word and we have God. Now, the writer says here that both the world and God are inseparable. He says, in the beginning was the world, the world was with God, and the world himself was God. In other words, it seems there is one God, but this God manifests in two forms, as seen here. We have not seen the third personality, the Holy Ghost here. But then, John wanting us to know facts, is introducing to us the Father. And said, look, the Father is contained in the Son. And the Son is not separated from the Father. But then, nobody can see the Father except the Son. Because the Son actually came to reveal the Father. Because no man has the capacity to see the Father by himself. In other words, if God knows that man can see him, he would have let man to connect him by his own free will. Romans chapter 3. Paul argues the fact that no one seeks God, quoting from his book of Psalm, I think chapter 5, chapter 6, that everybody has gone to his own way. No one is seeking God. No one is actually doing good. We are like an open sepulchre. We are full of darkness. We are full of evil. We are full of wickedness. And God, knowing this, and still loving mankind, had to reach out to man. So God and the world is one. He was in the beginning with God. In other words, the lifespan of Christ is the lifespan of the Father. The Father is eternal. Christ is eternal. This word had been with God from the beginning. From the start of this, Christ was not just created. As a matter of fact, the scriptures in Colossians describes him to be the facts of creation. Now, that word, the face of creation, refers to the fact that he is the facts to rise from the dead. Because in the other scriptures, the Bible made us to realize that he is the facts to rise from the dead. So, the face of creation means the facts you want to come out of the dead. Or you can say that he is the beginning of God's creation. That is, he is the one through whom God brings forth creation. The scripture says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 that there was darkness on the face of the deep then the spirit of the Lord will move over the face of the water. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. So through whom all things were created. So when God said, let there be light, there was a decree but Christ is out there to bring the reality. So Christ is the substance of all things. He is the manifestation of God. He is the savior of the world. And he is the revelation of God to mankind. Now look at another scriptures there. That is uh, verse 3. 
All things were made through him, through the word. So when God said, let there be light, God spoke, but there was a personality. It was not a force that brought things to, 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 to reality in Genesis. It was a being that cannot be seen. You know, in Proverbs chapter 6, the scripture talks about the fact that God made all things by wisdom. He said he possessed me. The, the person was using a, a, a narrative mechanisms to present the truth of the scriptures. He said that, he said that this, this God, he said he possessed, he said, I was possessed by wisdom at the start of things. So when God was creating, he possessed the world. That is, he possessed the wisdom. That is, Jesus Christ is the wisdom behind all that God had done. And what is wisdom? The practical of a thing. It is bringing to work the which you have known. So when God said, let there be, God knows that there will be light. Then when he altered it, Christ worked out that which God had wanted to bring about. All things were made through him and without him, nothing Nothing was made that was made. That is, nothing existed outside what God had ordained. Nothing existed apart from Christ. Christ is the source and the secret behind all things. There is nothing you see visible or invincible that didn't come out of Christ. So if God and Christ are the same and, and inseparable, then it means that no man can live without Christ. And that begins to make sense when we begin to look at what John said when he got to chapter 3 of his gospel. And he begins to claim that whoever does not believe the Son is condemned because even God himself had to walk hand in glove with the Son. In him all things were created and without him nothing was made that is made. So God brings things into place by his word and the word is one with him. In the same way, God had given us his creative power and that creative power is not in our intellect, it's not in our emotions, it's not in our discretion, it's not just in our perception, it's is in Christ and it's in Christ God put out the spirits that over over the darkness that was on the face of the earth for him to cause the reality he wants to bring about this forces in him was life the life for the light of man now why is the world potent enough to cause creation to be in? because behind everything that exists is life nothing exists even trees has life even trees have life, rather. Even uh, the seemingly inanimate things have life. They carry life in themselves, except objects and materials. But creations generally have life in themselves. And the scripture says that, says that since Christ is the creator of all things, he didn't just create them. He actually is the life of everything. He is the brain of everything. He is the mechanism behind everything that works. He is the strength, is the energy, is the fuel behind everything that works. So when God created Adam and it was like a log of wood and God breathed into his nostril the breath of life, that which God released into him was Christ. He released his tangibility, he released his essence, he released his nature into man. And that is why man will always be desirous of of God because it came out of God. In this world is life and the life was the light of man. Now why is the life is it is the light of man? Because the light is the gospel. This same life which I mean who is the world is also the gospel. Because the gospel is the light. Now look at um 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
I want to prove that further. I'm going to read from verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the God of the of this age has blinded, who do not believe, just who do not believe, legs the light of the gospel. So when John said, A name is life, and the life is the light, it meant that in Christ is the life, the source of all things that is in existence. And this life now is revealed in the gospel. The same thing Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1 verse 17. He said that it is in the gospel, God's righteousness, I mean, the Keusinin, I mean, the which God expects from man, that is the state of man as he ought to live, is revealed from faith to faith, that is, from your conviction in what God had offered us. So, the gospel is the light of God. So, when John wrote that in him, it's life. The life is the light of man. That is, this life is not just contained in Christ and is the exclusive owner of it. He does not just only breathe in us to give us the biological life or the natural life. He also has a supernatural life that he had made this life available in the preaching of the gospel. That when a man receives the gospel, he receives the life of God. Hallelujah. And that is why from the start point, a man received the gospel, there is a dramatic change. If that man was a weakling now he is he is old if that man used to be confused now confusion is banished if the man used to be an addict now addiction is gone away because he has received the life that creates all things now he has been infused in that life john chapter 10 the scripture says that i am the truth the way and the life sorry for the way i've quoted it that is christ said i am the way the truth and the life that's the other he said no one comes to me except the father draws him that's another part of the scriptures now the other the, the main part of that scripture says that i'm the way the truth and the life he said i've come to give you life abundantly actually i've quoted about three verses of the scripture i've quoted john chapter 14 where christ said i'm the way the truth and the life i've quoted john chapter 10 the bible said the thief commit not to keep to steal and to destroy and I've come to give life to you and to give life abundantly. Now, what is this? How is this life given? This life is given in the gospel. So, Apostle Paul wrote that those who did not believe the gospel, their eyes have been veiled, whose mind the God of the of this age, who is the devil, has blinded, and as a result, they do not believe, lest the light of the gospel. And this gospel is the glory of Christ, that which Christ is, that which Christ has done. So when we come to study the gospel, we don't just look at what we gain from the gospel. We look at what we step into in the gospel. We look at the relationship we have come into. We look at the dignity of Christ. We look at his glory, the, 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 his net worth, the value of his wealth. Less the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. That is, the gospel is not just um, a way of escape from hell. It is also the revelation of who Christ is in the Father. It says that the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So the gospel is about the glory of Christ. And the word glory means all that belongs to Christ. The authority of Christ, the works of Christ, the accomplishment of Christ, the personality of Christ, the supremacy of Christ, the kinship of Christ, the 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 power of Christ. 
who is the image of God. Now, who is this Christ? Apostle Paul reaffirmed that this Christ is still the image of God. And that is where the glory lies. That everything you could think of God is also found in Christ. He is the image of God. So shine on them. Let me take that verse for again. Whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And how is this light communicated? Verse 15. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your born servant for Jesus Christ's sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. For we have this treasure in earthly vessels, that the excellence of power may be of God and not of us. We Okay, let me stop in verse 7. So, yeah, Apostle Paul also identifies that this gospel, this life of God, is communicated to us by the preaching of the gospel. By the preaching of the gospel. Now, let me show you a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. From verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you. Now, do not forget that the apostles are told us that the gospel is also the life of God. It's also the light of God. It's also concerning Jesus Christ. And in particular, it's concerning the glory of Christ. Okay? So, he said that I preach to you the gospel. So, how do we come into this reality? How do we partake of this life? We partake of this life when we listen to the gospel. In Romans chapter 10, Apostle Paul said that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, a man is brought into the life of God when he receives the gospel. So, the gospel is not just Bible stories. It is the communication of God's life, the communication of God's life into your life. It is God beckoning you back to the heritage mankind lost hallelujah so when john says that the a name is life and the light the life is the light of man he meant to show you that the gospel is god's solution to all man's problem so we begin to question why is the world the way it is it is this way not because god is not interested or because god had not done what mankind need to have their problems of it is this way because mankind are defied God's solution. Mankind are looked down on God's solution. Mankind have not made sense of what God had made available for them because the life of God that was in the beginning, all that God is, all that God owns, all that God has, all that makes God is now revealed in the gospel. The scripture says that in him is light and that life is the light of men and that light is the gospel. Look at what John wrote further in 1 John chapter 1. He said that we have fellowship with him and we have written to say you can have fellowship with him also. Then he said that if we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and the truth is not in us. That tells us that the fellowship we have come into is the fellowship based on the grace of God, which is the gospel. Because it's by the grace of God we receive the gospel. It's by the grace of God we receive adoption. It's by the grace of God we are saved by faith. That is, we add faith in what God had done. I believe the provision, the offer he has for me. Then I step into what he had brought for me. So God's primary requirement for a man 
is that that man should believe the gospel. And what is the gospel? Romans chapter 1, verse 1, 2, and 3. Apostle Paul said, I was caught and separated to the gospel. I said that this gospel was the same thing the apostles and I mean the prophets and the, and, and the law wrote about. I said, this gospel is concerning his son Jesus Christ. It's not concerning you. It affects your life, but you are not the focus. God is the picture. God is in the picture, but he's bringing you to come and post with him in all that he has. Hallelujah. And the light shines into the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. This gospel, wherever it goes, dispels darkness. I don't know what confusion is in your life. I don't know whether you are troubled in one way or the other, or I don't know or what your life has been lately, but you, uh, I don't know whether you have been confused, or you have issues you want to solve, and you've not been able to solve. I want to tell you today that the solution to your problem is the gospel. In name is life. All you need to be free from that harassment is the life of God. And this is contained in the gospel. Look at that verse 5. It says, the light, the gospel shines in darkness. In other words, if a man is battling with addiction and the doctor cannot help him, why don't you preach the gospel to him? Because when the person receives the gospel, there will be a solution to that nagging problem that even the doctor cannot. Do you see somebody who is psychologically disordered and the, 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 the psychiatric hospital could not help him, neither could guidance and counsel that person needs gospel. Have you seen somebody who is dejected, who is suffering from depression, who is confused about life, who is just being bewitched or is a victim of the more the demonic manipulations? The scripture says that all they need is the gospel. So the problems in the world can be effectively eliminated by the gospel so the problems in the world will be wrapped up the day everybody in the world will say yes to god's provision in christ hallelujah so mankind is the one afflicting himself not god god loves man and he had provided solution you know, uh there was a story we are told in, in the theology school years ago i mean the basic um bible class years ago about uh, it was just i think it should be an imaginary story but it makes some sense a man had an affliction say a disease then he consulted the doctor then after telling the doctor the nature of his disease the doctor gave him a pill um and by that medicament is going to be healed so he got up a medicament and got a glass cup of water and instead of him to take that medicament he was going about to tell people how that he had got the medication that would cure him. Meanwhile, he has a five-minute lifespan. And he had to use this medicine within that space of five minutes. And instead of him to take up his drug right away and use, he went all around boasting of how he had got a solution to his problem. And as he was going from house to house telling people how that he had got a solution to his problem, his time kept ticking. And when it hit the exact dot of his span, he fell down and died, having not used the medication. So that you hear the gospel and you don't believe it will make no difference in your life. Apostle James wrote, 
He said that do not be hearers of the world, but the doer of the year of the world, deceiving yourself. How do we become the doer of the world? We become the doer of the world when we yield to what we are hearing. When we believe what we are hearing and we open our spirit to receive the which grace had brought, our adoption. When we cease from trying to enter into God's rest in our own effort and we solely believe on the provision God had put in place. Hallelujah. Now, I will round off on this note. I want to show you realities in Christ. And I'm going to use uh, the scripture phrase, uh, which is, but now in Christ. And I'm going to take you through two scriptures. One from Romans chapter 7, and other from Ephesians chapter 3. Now, we have seen that Christ is the solution. Christ is God's big project. Christ is God's big picture. Christ is the apex of God's provision for mankind and immediately mankind comes into God, light illuminates the man. In other words, nobody can be in Christ and walk in darkness. Christ said in that same John, he said, I'm the light of the world. Nobody will believe him, will believe in me and walk in darkness. You can't. At the time, he compared himself to be the bread of life. Nobody comes to me and is hungry or, or is hungry or we hunger. So all that you need to sustain with life, light, shelter, all is contained in Christ. But like I said, I want to show you two realities you have come into in Christ. But never you forget what led us to this point that in him is light, the light, sorry, in him is life, the life is the light, and the light had shine already not it will shine it had shine in darkness and the darkness cannot silence him the darkness in your life the confusion in your life the situation in your home the situation in your lineage cannot and it's not and would not be powerful than god's solution who is and which is christ so if you want a turning point in your life, you know, sometimes we, let me get through that statement. If you want a turning point in your life, you have got to submit to Christ. You have got to invite Christ into your life. You have got to, to, to believe in God's provision. You know, I was explaining scriptures in um, Romans chapter 7. And then Apostle Paul began to present to us how that when he was in the flesh, uh, the laws take occasion of a sinful nature and made him to live against his witches. And as he went on giving us analogies and giving us instances, as he was rounding off that letter, he said that now he had been freed. That's not what I already want to say. I've forgotten what I'm trying to drive at. He spoke about man's failure to deliver himself from the grip and the harassment of sin but immediately when one crosses over there is light and freedom and that's why sometimes apostle paul calls the grace of god our liberty to live for god our freedom from the works of the law our freedom from trying to to to, to put ourselves in bondage in order to be accepted or qualified or approved of God. Now, God's acceptance of me is not based on what I've done. It's based on what Christ has done because Christ took my place. Now, let me show you your two realities. Two of the realities we have in Christ. I will read from Romans chapter 7. I'm going to read from 
verse 5 and 6 the realities in Christ. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law. Now there is a sinful passion, a desire for sin. Is aroused by the law. And I've explained in the, in the previous teaching I've done that the flesh is a spiritual thing. The law is a spiritual thing. And sin is a spiritual thing. And the devil is a spirit also. So the greatest problem mankind is facing is not psychological. It's not medicals. It's not uh, intellectual. It's not political. It's not administrative. It's not communication. It's not language problem. The greatest problem mankind had faced, is facing and will face, is that they are spiritual problems. And the greatest of all these problems is sin. Whether it is economic crisis whether uh, it is political instability whether it is riot whether it is restlessness in the state whether it is uh, uh, a falling standard in in in, in, in values uh, falling standard in education falling standard in the social life the problems is the problem of sin every other thing identified are just the consequences of sin so yeah, Apostle Paul says that for why we are in the flesh, sinful passions, sinful motions, sinful drives, which were aroused, they were stimulated by the law, by my knowledge of do and don't, were at work in my members, that they are at work in me. Now the word members means in the part in my parts of body. They express themselves through my body. So my body is not the one that is actually committing the sin. It is my spirit. So when I'm battling with evil thought, that when I see somebody, I think immorally of that person. The problem is not my mindset. The problem is not that my mind is dirty. The problem is that my spirit is contaminated. So how do I become free? The light must shine into darkness. And the story had been that for the past 2,000 years, the light had shined into darkness and for not a time has the light been suppressed by darkness. In Nimi's life, the life is the gospel, is the light of man, the gospel of man, the gospel God had brought to man, and this gospel had shined over the years into darkness. This is a track record. John was introducing Jesus Christ as an immortal being, was introducing the deity of Christ and his humanity at the same time. In Romans chapter 1, verse uh, three apostle Paul spoke of two nature of the, the spoke of Jesus Christ in two nature or claimed that Christ or revealed that Christ has two natures. One is of the seed of Abraham by the flesh, but is declared to be the Son of God, one who came from God by the Spirit of holiness, that is by the Holy Ghost, and not shell. So in the same way, here John presents two natures. Christ possesses one is the world, the creator of the world, and in verse 14 says that this creator I become man, and we saw him. And in first John chapter, I said, Look, we handled him, we saw him, and we have come into fellowship with him, and we are writing so that we so that you can also come into the same fellowship we have entered. Hallelujah. 
Now back to Romans chapter 7, verse 5 again. For when, for when we were in the flesh, simple passions were aroused by the law. We are to walk in our members to bear fruits to death. That is the consequence of sin. It's brought about death. Now, this is your reality. But now, but now, if you have believed the gospel, but now, we have been delivered from the law. What qualifies me? What makes me accepted? It's not a do and don't. What makes me accepted is because I believed in Christ. Having died to what we are held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So it's not the adherence of a man to a religious book that makes him accepted. You can quote any religious book, even the Bible, until you key into what God had done in Christ. You are not yet saved. And that's why you can die in your church and from there you move down to hell. You know, we are not just preaching hell in order to scare you to come to the Father. You see, God is not trying to bring you to himself by, by, by a sense of threat. He's bringing you to himself because he is your creator and because he loves you. And he has demonstrated this love through Christ. Imagine the creator of the ends of the earth and heaven had to change his form in order to reach out to you what a debt of love. So back here, the scripture says that something had earthbound the human folks, but that which had earthbound the human folk had been taken away in Christ. So in Christ there is a liberty, and that is why in Galatians chapter five verse one it spoke about the liberty where when we should stand. And what is that liberty? The liberty from the works of the law, the liberty to walk with God, the liberty now to believe that which God had given to us and be freed from the harassment of darkness. That liberty is not the liberty to live as you are. It's not living without an authority. It's not living without a mentor. It's not living without being accountable to people. As a matter of fact, faith is being accountable. But that now something had held man bound to sin. Something had taken advantage of man's emotion, of man's natural nature, and had used man's will against himself, as used man's intellect against himself. But now we have got a power that frees us from the harassment of darkness, and that power is God's power expressed in Christ. Now look at before he spoke about the fact that we have been released from that which had held us bound. That verse 5 talks about the fact that while we are in the flesh, in other words, before we came to Christ, in other words, the knowing of Christ makes a difference in your life. While you were in the flesh, that before the knowledge of Christ, before you heard the gospel, before the light shines into the darkness of your life, before you were illuminated or um empowered by God, or before you were brightened all by God, the scripture says that something had held you bound, it is the law. It is your inability to walk with God. Hallelujah. So now we do not serve in the oldness of letter, we serve in the newness of the spirit. That this is not how much of the Torah you can quote. How much time you spend in the church. You spend cleaning the church. You spend rehearsing. You spend at the workers' meetings that matters. But your faith in what Christ has done. And that's what makes a man a child of God. To them that believe, the scripture says, verse 12, uh, 1 John 
John chapter 12, John chapter 1, verse 12. He gave the power to become the sons of God. Not those who go to church. Not those who clean the church. Not those who pay their offerings. Not those who pay their tithes. Not those who pay private offerings. Not those who attend to program. Not those who went to mountains or into the woods to pray. Those who believe. And what do we believe? That Christ was delivered for offenses. Romans chapter 4, verse 21. On the last note, I will show you Ephesians chapter 3. We are still going to pick that statement to but now in Christ. I like those statements. But now in Christ, they are used to present to us a reality. Ephesians chapter 2, rather. Hallelujah. Okay, let me read from verse 10. That tells us about the Father. Before you came here, before you are actually battered here, God had a plan for you. I read. For we are his workmanship, that is, we are God's handiwork. God crafted us. God created us. God fashioned us. God worked us out. God built us. Created in Christ Jesus. But this creation is the second creation. Just as in Genesis, we have the first creation account and the second creation account. Even in this dispensation, there are two creations account. There's the physical bit and there's the spiritual bit. So, there is uh, the creation that makes us to come out of our biological parents and there's another creation in Christ. He said he, we, he had created us in Christ Jesus for good works. The end is that so we can walk the work of God, which is good works, which is the demonstration of God's nature, which is uh, good character or which is living god's values which which god prepared before uh, before and that we should work in them therefore remember that you once gentiles in the flesh and called on on circumcision by what is called circumcision made in the flesh by hands that at the time you were without christ being alien aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Now, the word commonwealth means the word that belongs to everybody. Alright? The equal right, everybody has in a portion of, of wealth or prosperity. Alienated from the commonwealth of, of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise. Having no hope and without God in this world. That was my state. But now in Christ. So Christ makes the difference. Like I was about to say when I was teaching from the book of Galatians, chapter, um, Romans chapter 7, I mentioned that Christ is the turning point in anybody's life. And maybe that's where I'm going to round off the scriptures. From Romans chapter 7 verse 1, we saw Apostle Paul's struggle before he came to Christ, and which was a kind of struggle of all mankind before they know Christ. And that struggle is with sin, it's with self, it's with it is with your inability to control your own will, to control your own emotions, to control your own evil desires. But Paul said that the day I knew Christ, I was free from that harassment. So Christ became the turning point. And that's what I'm showing you again in this scripture. But that now in Christ, although you used to be without hope in the world, although you used to be without God in the world, although you used to be an alien, strangers to the world's God for his people, you used to be strangers to the covenant that has to do with God's provisions, God's promises for us, that has to do with God's giving us his nature. Say, but now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near 
by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. So Christ is a turning point in your life. He is the light of the world. Glory be to God. There is no reason why you should keep walking in darkness. Hallelujah. Even in your finance, even in your marriage, even your academics, even in your career, even in your business life, even as a parent, even as a child, there is a turning point. Now in Christ, now you have hope of an afterlife. You have hope of the life that now is. You are now with God. You know God. The Bible says by faith in him, we have access to the Father. That is Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18. We have access by the Father. That is one of the benefits. That is one of the realities we came into in Christ. Back to verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once a far of Afar off are being brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Hallelujah. I am one with God now. He had broken apart the middle wall of separation. The middle wall of partition. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandment, which which has stood our way before. He had abolished in the body the, 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 the law of commandment contained in ordinances, contained in regulations, contained in patterns, contained in, in um, processes, contained in system and a, 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 a system of administration. That is, there is another administration that is different from the administration men of the old age walked in. And this administration is in the spirit by Christ. It is by Christ in the spirit. It is in the spirit by the spirit. Hallelujah. So all that we came to enjoy, we enjoy in Christ in the spirit and by the spirit. In Romans chapter 8, Apostle told us how we come in the spirit. He said, you are in the spirit. In the spirit of Christ lives in you. So when I say in the spirit, I mean in the Holy Ghost, which is an access we gain into by our faith in Christ. So he said that he had abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandment contained in ordinances, in the ways of doing things, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, that is both Jews and the Greek and now one, both Jews and Gentiles and now one, there is no segregation again in God. God had reconciled all us to himself. This is the word of the Lord for you this morning. That you have been reconciled. That Christ is the source of your life. That Christ is the source of your hope. That Christ is God's provision for you. And that that provision is what to come into the day you receive Christ. Now, I ran off on Romans chapter 7 where we started. I want to prove to you that really Christ is a turning point. I'm going to read from verse 22. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, which is in my body. Now, the word members here refers to your body or the members of your body, which is the parts of your body. So it's not my body, it's something on the inside of me. Oh, wretch man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? Apostle Paul said, this life is frustrating without Christ. The natural life, your inability to break away from the which had held you bound, which Christ made us free from, is actually frustrating. Out of frustration, he cried that actually was given a 
pro experience, an experience that he captures after he had known Christ. He's making a, a, a reminiscing, he's re making a, a, a reminiscing, a reminisce of what had been his life before he came to Christ. So he said in verse 24 that who will save me from this wretched man? Then that man is not himself, it is the nature of the man nature. The nature of, of, of man's being or man's nature that Apostle Paul is addressing here. But he landed off that verse 7 by saying that I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And let me tell you, each time a man comes to encounter God, he has no choice but to thank God. And that's why in all of the epistles, you see that when the apostles open up each of the epistles to start with, thank be the Father or bless be the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who had granted us grace, who had always caused us to triumph, who had given us victory, who had blessed us with all spiritual blessings, who had given us an inheritance. When you come in contact with what God had done in the gospel and your mind is brightened up to see what he had really done, you can't but thank God like Apostle had done. Because this thing is far beyond what you can end. It's far beyond what you have the capacity to enter into. So you can't but say, thank be God. So Apostle Paul said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the man I myself serve the law of God. And with the flesh, the law of sin. Now your mind can walk with God. Now you can walk with God. Because now you are being reconciled. Because now the love of God has been spread in, in our heart. The scripture says the love of God is shed abroad by the Holy Ghost in your heart. Can you bless God and say, Father, thank you for what you have done. Thank you for this offer. Oh, you brought to me. I give you all the praise. I give you all the praise. Oh, glory be to God forevermore. Come on, bless God. Rehad Masuta. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Can you bless God? Is the source of our life. Is the reason for our living. Is the savior of the world. In name is light, and the light is the gospel. In name is life, and the life is the light of the gospel. That is, God had manifested himself in the gospel. And in the gospel, God's requirement, which is righteousness, is revealed. Can you bless him for such a revelation of himself? That God had manifested himself. He had not just only spoken about himself. He had not just only given us visions about himself. That he manifested. Christ is the manifestation of God's counsel. Is the manifestation of God's intention. Is the manifestation of God himself. Because he is the expression of God's image. We give you all the praise Father. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the truth of your word. I strongly believe that I don't have any other assignment than to reveal God to mankind. And I would not even mind to do a billion messages explaining God as much as I know. However, the fact is that God cannot be discussed. God should be discovered and this discovery is not what you did by just trying to toil by studying some materials or by making some researches or making some spiritual consultations god himself has to be reveal himself to you and you know this revelation is not going to be your efforts 
is going to be you discovering what God has done for you. So a man's encounter begins when he begins to see that God has put everything he ever needs in place. And that thing has been placed in Christ. So my entire life is going to be devoted to this cause. As long as I live on earth, and for my generation and anybody that will come in contact with me, I trust that God will help me to do something to reveal himself. Like Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 1, that Christ will be known through me. Why Christ in the study of God? Because nobody can comprehend God. He's so large, he's so wide, he's so high, he's so deep that nobody has the capacity to grasp even the minute of him. So God had to condescend into Christ and makes us to experience Christ. And in experiencing Christ, we know the Father. And let me quickly say this. I have read my Bible over and over. I don't think it's up to 100 times. But I tell you, I have sat with the scriptures for years. And I have prayed, I have pleaded with God to reveal himself to me. I have meditated, I have fasted for revelation and insight into the scriptures. And in my revelation or the little light I've got from the scriptures, I can tell you that the whole essence of Jesus' substitute is to bring us to the place where we are God's image. What is an image? An image is a portrayal of the original. Now, that does not mean that the believer or a Christian is a fake. But that is the replica of God. Oh, that is interesting. Now, what is a replica? One who stands in place of and that has the quality, the essence, the authority of the original being. And see, this is not just what God intended in Christ. It was what made him to fashion Adam. Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27. God said, let us make man. He didn't just say, let's make man, okay? If he had said, let's make man, we would have categorized man as one of the animals he had created. Because it was not only man, I mean mankind, that God created on the sixth day. God actually created all the animals that lived on the land. I may be some aquatic organisms. But when it comes to the creation of man, he said, let us. Now, some people believe that when God said, let us, he was calling some people. He was not calling some people. That is the Hebrew lexicon. The word God often attracts the plural pronouns in Hebrew. So when God said, let us, he's not calling on people. He's still talking to himself. It's like saying, I will make man. It's a decision he made by himself. And it seems that this is confusing. I will take you back to Ephesians chapter 1. Where the scripture says that he works all things according to the counsel of his will. And through that scriptures in Ephesians chapter 1, Apostle Paul keeps iterating that God works all things after his counsel. So nobody dropped God to create man. God never took counsel from anybody to make man. He actually had created a kingdom and he needed somebody who will stand in his place to represent him here on earth. Okay? And God said, look, I will create man. Now, the word man is the Hebrew word Adam, which is mankind. Okay? He said, I will create mankind. 
that is i will create a being that will live in the flesh that we have a physical contact with our physical world because the word god created was a material world genesis 1 verse 1 in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth now the word heavens there is the hebrew word sky it is not the word heaven, a spiritual materiality or where God lives. It means the sky or another word is the word firmament. So all that God created were material in nature. They are things that are visible. So God needs a visible being who can be in charge. But then God knew that just an animal or a man that is all flesh cannot do that which he wants him to do. So he had to hide behind that man. So it is God in man controlling the universe. So when God said, let us make man, how would man look like? He said, he's going to be in my portrayal. He's going to portray me. Now the word portray means to show forth. And that reminds me the words of Apostle Peter in 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. He said that you are a chosen generation. Now mark the word generation. Now the word generation is a two Greek is a combination of two words. Actually, in Greek, is the word gene, which is gene, uh, which is uh, another word for trait, and ration, which means feed that which you feed on. So it means that God said, "Look, I am making you a different kind of being that feeds on you." He said, "You are a you are." You are a chosen generation. Now, the word chosen means to elect, to appoint, to set apart. It's a word so related to the word agios, which means holiness. So, God said, look, you are a special bridge. That is, you are a chosen generation, a holy nation. Now, the Greek word for nation is the word natos. And natos is, 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 is the word that means a group of people related by same descent having the same culture, having the same belief, having the same value system. So when God said you are a holy nation, the Greek word is agios natos. And agios means separated breed of same kind of folks. So God is saying that, look, I am making man in my nature. They are part of my kingdom. They are of my dynasty. We have the same trait. We have the same futures. We have the same attributes. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, God's own people. This is where I'm going in particular to show forth the praise of Him. Now, the word for the word to show forth the praise of Him is the word image. In other words, you can render that expression to be to image Him who had called you out of darkness. Now, check it. So, God's image, as we saw in Genesis, is God's portrayal. Is God replica? Is God resemblance? Is God representative? God who carries the authority of heaven. Let us make man in our own portrayal, and not just to portray us. He is portraying us, and his likes is going to be our likes. Then the question is, what is God's like? And when we begin to ask for God's like, our attention is turning to something else entirely. Because the scripture told us what God likes. The Bible said that God likes righteousness. And which I can take into the scriptures. But let me just challenge you to see that, hey, if your life is going to find any meaning at all. And when I talk about meaning, I talk about significance. Well, significance not in the light of fame. 
meaning not in the life of attainment or achievement meaning in the sense that if your life is going to look exactly like god had designed man to function then you have got to see who the father is now there's another dimension of the revelation of god where we don't call him god in fact it is in the outer explanation of god we call him god actually it's not a god in fact we don't call him a creator although we know that he created but he does not want us to relate to them as a creator because that sounds a bossy something a, a bossy relationship but purportedly so how does god want us to relate with him like children and how do we become a student because we are his offspring Acts chapter 17 as um, Apostle Paul thought he said you are his offspring you are his offspring now the word offspring means to come out of he said in him you live and have your being so back to, 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 to my initial plan God in making man intends that man will be his replica that is man will be his portrayal and man's interest will be his interest So, the significance of a man is found in God. Because only God knew why he made him. And why he made him is not far-fetched. God said, I will make man in my own image because there is something he has to do for me. So, man is God's workman. Workman in the sense that he is God's employee. God has got an assignment for all mankind. But no one has the right to do it because of the state of things except that man is reinstated in God. And God knowing that no man can unveil him, no man can unravel him, then he had to give us Christ. So it is that when a man begins to find out who Christ is, he begins to understand God. First Peter chapter 1. Apostle Peter wrote, I quote, he said, Who through you came to know God. That is, it is through Christ we have come to know God. So take Christ in with nobody can approach God. John chapter 1 verse 18. No one had been with God at any time. But the only begotten Son who had been with the Father had come to declare Him. The reason why I can stand to say that my life's assignment is to reveal God is because He had been revealed. I am not trying, just trying to reach the scriptures at you to tell you that this is God. But that I want to show you that in the death of Christ, he didn't just only take my place. He did just die on my behalf. While he was dying also, he was revealing the Father. Matthew chapter 5, 28. Christ said that, that you may be the son of your Father who is in heaven. Who makes his son to shine on the good and the evil? And therefore, love your heading, a revelation of God. So actually, Christ came to reveal the Father. And it is in the revelation of who the Father is, we begin to take the essence of our being. We begin to see who we are because we are His image. And for us to actually see who we are, we have got to see who created us. We have got to look like Him. And as we begin to look like Him, we begin to find our own essence.
But check it. We are not just trying to discuss God. And never you think that the Bible is a book that discusses God. No. The Bible does not discuss God. It does not just talk about God. It is God's divinity expressed. I don't want to say biography because God does not have a biography. He's a spirit being. Bow means life. Okay, let me let me just use the word bow. But bow means life from the body or the natural life. Why zoo means superior life or divine life? Okay, let me see this. The Bible is the story of God's zoology, of God's life. Now, in the story of God, we are not trying to look at his existence, where he came from. Rather, we are trying to look at his essence. We are trying to look at his intentions. We are trying to look at his nature of being. We are trying to look at his attributes. We are trying to look at his pattern of things, his approach to doing things, and his, his relationship with mankind. So you have got only one life to find out God. I don't want to care your attainment in life. You can be a professor in the college. You can be a pastor of a larger congregation. You can be a president, a senator, a member of the House of Rep, a counselor. Whoever you become, if you have not found out your credo, you are the most miserable. Your life is pitiable. Because you can't even find significance, you can't find purpose. And this does not include that you won't have money. You see, there is nothing as miserable as having material equivalence. I mean, of having wealth and amassing wealth, and you never find out the creator of the wealth. How can you be without a sense of the Father? Without a sense of ownership? Then after your lifetime and you, you die, you get out of your body, who will sustain you? The question is, why is God revealing himself? For nothing, but for relationship. Because he owns us in the first place. He created us. Look at this proposition. Genesis 1, 26, 27. Let us make man. That is, I will make man in my own image. That is, as my portrayal, one who showcases me. One who demonstrates me. So when I say that the life of a believer, I mean your life is to demonstrate God. I don't mean that your, your life is to work miracles. Because when we talk of that, an average Christian believes that you are talking about the fact that he is to perform a miracle. Or that his life or his face or he has to dress God just there. People ask to be envying him because he's a new creature. We are not talking about that. We are not talking about your jewelry, about your perfume, about how nice you smell about how wise or intelligent you are because of your faith okay apostle paul was careful to tell us in first timothy chapter he said look guys godliness and contentment is great gain it is not that great gain is godliness it's not gain lazarus was poor in fact he was so poor he cannot afford medication ox orthodox medicine he could not take care of himself he was so poor and perhaps so weak that even dogs will come to be his doctor will lick his, his son but that man had God in the heart. Friend, I want to tell you there is something called the knowledge of God. We have known the body's knowledge of science and technology. And we have been dazed by the knowledge of science and technology. We know the science of biology. We know the science of physics. We know about chemistry. We know about sociology. We know about anthropology. We know about management courses. 
We know about medicine. We know about pathology. We know about zoology. We know about agriculture. We know about political science. We know about philosophy. These are knowledge and these are institutions. But of all these institutions, our knowledge is not complete without the knowledge of God. Because God is the source of biology. He's the source of philosophy. He's the source of everything you want to boast or brag about. Let me remind you of scriptures. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the world. Now, the word here is not a concept. Now, here the intention of John is to tell us the story of God and his union with Christ. In the beginning was the word. Now, again, it's pertinent to remind, to remind you that what John intends to show us here is different from what Moses was showing us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, Moses was telling us the genealogy of everything we can see, including microorganisms, created things. It's not the story of God himself. It's the story of things that are made. So when John said in the beginning was the word, he didn't say God created. It's, we are talking about the source of the created things. In the beginning, God was. God existed from where we don't know and we don't care to know. But there is something we observe that there is a world with God like a vision with God like an ideology with God so it is very cool to say that Christ is the vision of God Christ is the goal of God Christ is the dream of God because in the beginning was the word and this word now actually the word word in the Greek word means an idea it is the Greek word logos from in the word we get study which is the word logic biology Sociology. The word logic is related to the word logos, which means study. So in the beginning, there is a study. There is an idea. There is a concept. There is a vision. There was an intention. There was a purpose. And the purpose was with God. And God himself is that purpose. Is the intention. It's not just doing things to derive pleasure. He is the intention. He wants to express himself. So man is a means by which God wants to express himself. So your life is to showcase God. Not just by enjoying, enjoying the goodies of life. Not just by performing miracles. Not just by signs and water. But your life carries God and is to demonstrate who God is. And who is God? God is righteousness. And what is righteousness? Righteousness means straightforwardness. It means plainness. It means good morals. It means good qualities. It means straightforwardness. It means serenity. It means sanity. It means chastity. To be plain, to be straightforward, to be clean, to be single-minded. Actually, when we talk about righteousness, it is the right being, right doing, right thinking, and right behavior. And that is why, hey, the end result of the Christian faith is behavioral. We believe, and as we begin to see what we believe, we become what we believe. And the end result of becoming what we believe is to behave it. So the goal of heaven in reflecting him in our life is defeated after we have known him and our life does not portray him. And that is why the person who knows God is not the person that has the biggest Bible, but the person who had become so gentle 
and quiet in character. Hear what Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians. He said that let your inward adornment not be merely uttered. Let it be the hidden person of the earth. That is, there is a kind of being we have got to put on. We have got to demonstrate. I said this inward uh, person of the earth is arrayed in gentleness and quietness of spirit. Who is God? How does God look like? God is not a terrible God. It's not a being that is that is having fire coming out of his head and as a result looking for somebody to victimize. It's not a doll, it's not a smoke, it's not a ghost, it's not a tree, it's not a monkey, it's not a force, it is a being. He looks like you, but he's a glorious God. He does not have a body, he's a spirit. Because you are his replica now, replica by physique, supposedly, and again, replica by traits. You are a chosen generation. God specifically chose what to be our lifetime. You are a chosen gen. Your trait is God's trait. And your trait feeds on who God is. I am praying that I will have an encounter with God. The Bible does not discuss God. It reveals God. The Bible shows us how God can be seen, how God can be understood, and how God is known. It seems I'm not true with John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, God was the word. This word, this idea, this concept was with God from the beginning. And by this word, everything God made is made. Now, what the Lord is telling us is that God had not made anything outside of Christ. That everything that is, everything we can see, everything we can touch is an expression of Christ. For by him all things were created. In him is life. The life is the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, the darkness cannot comprehend it. And you would think that what that portion of the scripture is talking about is a concept. That, well, it's talking about a word, an ideology, a language, or a vocabulary. It's not a vocabulary, it's talking about a being. Because as you read on, you begin to see personality unveiled. That it's not just about a thing, it's about a being. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word itself is God. So the word is not a thing, it's a being. And this word had a creative power. All things were made by him. And without him, nothing was made of his head. In him is life. And the life is what gives light to man. Now, what is this light all about? This light symbolizes how a man ought to live. Symbolizes what a man requires from man. As a matter of fact, this light refers to the gospel. The glad tidings of God to mankind that he had redeemed us. He had made us the exact person he wanted us to become in him. So listen to me good. You are God's image. But you cannot be this image exactly except you know Christ. This same word that was with God, this same word that was God, he said through him everything is made. So your life came out of the world. You are a product of Jesus. 
and the word carries the light you need to live your life and what is that light that light is, that is, is an explanation of who god is and what your life is to be in him i'm praying for god to give me an encounter with himself because i don't intend to explain god by discussing him i want to bring him on the stage i want men and mankind to touch him to see him visibly look at what apostle john wrote that which we have seen from the beginning that which we have had that which we have handled so god can be had god can be handled god can be encountered ephesians chapter 2 verse 3 apostle said that said that how he made known to me by revelation the mystery i have written about so god can be known because they've been now as we begin to read that john chapter one we saw that the world became flesh became mankind and it dwelt among us and that word is christ so the Christ that died for me on the cross is not a human being. It is a God metamorphosized. It is God incarnate. And why was it necessary for Christ to demonstrate himself? I mean, to manifest in human form. He came to manifest in human form to demonstrate God so my life can be a replica of God. So God gave us an example of who and what our life to become not just by making prophets to write to us but by allowing himself to be born in the human flesh and demonstrate how he wanted us to live he taught us by himself and he lived it at chapter one verse one the former account have i written o theophilus of what jesus began to teach and to do so all that christ did is a demonstration of god look at hebrews chapter one verse three he is the image of the invincible God. No, I'm reading Colossians chapter 1. He said that is the brightness of the glory of God, the, Im- the person of his image. Now, by that scripture, Apostle Paul meant to tell us that it is Christ that articulates, that declares, that shows us, that explains that which God is. The brightness of who God is. It's the one that brightens, that explains, that shows us, and that brought us into who God is, that showed us the Father. John chapter 14. Christ told his disciple in John chapter 13, he's going to die. And he told them how inevitable, how they can do nothing to avert his death, and they were sorrowful. So in chapter 14, he said, Look, guys, don't, don't let your heart be troubled. Being sorrowful will not change the fact that I'm going to die. See, all you have got to do is to believe in me, that I'm the Christ, that I'm the manifesto of the Father. And you have got to believe in the Father also, because the Father and I are inseparable. I am the Father, the Father is I. In fact, he told them categorically, I think John chapter 1, John chapter 5, rather, he said, My Father and I are one. So Christ is the manifestation of God visibly. Why? So that I can be like God. So when a man became born again, what God had done and what God had begun to do in the life of that man is to make him the image of God, a showcase in character. In the way we talk. Apostle Paul understand this so well. He wrote to Timothy. He said, be an example of believer in conversation, in words, in character. So how do we portray God? We be an example of God. We talk like Him. We behave like Him. In behavior. And how does God behave? That is very easy to see all through the scriptures. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. God is described to be loved. And yet, it's, it's to be described. Well, I mean, God is described as love. That is called love. And Apostle Paul alighted the traits of love. 
John chapter 3, John chapter 4. John calls God love, calls God love, and he describes what love does. So this trait or this image is not something we are vague about. And you see, as a matter of fact, this thing is not possible except Christ died for us. So, you have got to know God. How do you know God? You have got to be born again. Now, to be born again is not just... Then, to be born again actually means to be in the image of God. To be God's mouthpiece. To be rebutted, to be remolded, to be remade in the image of God. Except a man is born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot understand what God is doing. He cannot live as God is. So to be born again is to be in the image of God. Is to be recreated. Ephesians chapter 4. And put on the new man, Apostle Paul wrote. Who is recreated? Check the word recreated. It is remolded. That's the to be born again. To be battered from above. In the image of him that created it. In the portrayal, in the replica of him. This is the New Testament scriptures. Not Genesis again. Put on the new man. So being born again is putting on a new being. And what is that being like? It is like God. Look at that scriptures. It says, put on the new man. Who is recreated after God. Who made it in righteousness. That is telling me. He made it to live rightly. So there is a way mankind ought to live. There was a way God wants Adam to live. There is no theory behind this. Because I shall soon show you that this thing is behavioral and is obtainable in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man is in Christ, that is, if any man is now remodeled in God, have been altered, he becomes a new creature. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 You are God's workmanship You are born again Not of corruptible seed First Peter chapter 1 But of incorruptible seed By the word of God To be born again means to be battered from above That word is um, The Greek word Born again That is agenao Again, oh, to be battered from above, to be influenced by God, to be owned by God. I'm even short of my of, of words myself, but I know that you must chase after God. Nothing should satisfy even your successes. Maybe in marriage, maybe in ministry, maybe in career. Until you know God. Apostle Paul said, He had made me to make all men to see what is the fellowship 
of this mystery. And what is this mystery? Our oneness with the Father. The breaking down, the enmity, and the taking away of the enmity that existed between me and God. So there's no quarrel again. I can stand before God. I can call God my Father. Because the enmity, the Bible says that he had abolished the enmity by his own blood and thereby making peace. So, God wants to live in you. God told Ezekiel, say, Daddy, I'll make a new covenant. They will be my people, I will live in them. They will be my, they, 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 they will be my people. God does not want to use you. That was what our pastor told you, that God wants to use you. No, he does not want to use you, he wants to own you. Because you can use something that is not your own. As a matter of fact, if you are in Christ, and, and what does it mean to be a new creature? What does it mean to be in the image of God? To receive what God had done in Christ. Now, actually, what you call salvation is substitution. That you are a criminal, but somebody is made to suffer for you. That's salvation we are preaching. That Christ died on your behalf. That there is a world or a scheme or an arrangement that have been made before you were battered. So you are just to key into what have been made available before you came on the scene. Is what we call salvation. He died so that you will not die. He suffered so that you will not suffer. That is salvation. And until you become saved, you can't know God. No matter, in fact, you can't even discover Him. Even if you read the whole Bible. It is in the Gospel, Romans chapter 1, verse 17. That the righteousness of God, who God is, and what God requires of you, how he wants to live, how he wants to behave. It is in the gospel. What is the gospel? The death and the resurrection of Christ. That is until a man begins to believe that the death of Christ is for his own sake, that he begins to see who God is. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So, you need God. And let me mention this as a random. How do we know God? One, by the revelation of his name. All through the scriptures, God had given different revelation of himself. At the time, he called himself El Shaddai. At the time, he called himself Yahweh. At the time, he called himself Shama. He had given himself different names to different people at different encounters. But today, God had highly exalted Christ and gave him a name. So the name is Christ. And the word Jesus Christ is the Greek word Yeshua, the one that saves. And that is God. And you see, it was not that because Christ humbled himself on the cross. So, you know, in, in Philippians chapter 2, Apostle Paul that the mind that is in Christ should be in us, that this, we should be of the same mind, we should love one another, you prefer other people above you. And he began to tell us that this is necessary not because we want to be good or because we want peace to reign, but because that is what we are. And this Christ like mind must be in us because Christ, too, although he was God, but does not count it robbery with God. And because of that, God gave him a name amongst men. Now, that name was not the name God gave him because he chose to come and die. 
because in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 we have told that he had obtained an excellent name that is a name that is comparable a name that is not comparable a name that is different from every other kind of name and it says that this name came by inheritance it is his heir it is the name of his father it was not because he humbled himself in the first place but that apostle said look there is something about christ's exaltation that now we know christ amongst men because he chose to that he might have stayed in heaven and nobody will know that there's one christ in heaven for inside the bible told us that there, 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 there are 24 elders in heaven we don't know their names there are angels billions of them billions of them with Perhaps beautiful names like Raphael, like Gabriel, like Gabriel, like you, uh, Ariel or Uriel. I think it's called Uriel, but that's not that's not found in the scriptures. We saw that in some extra biblical books, or those who have had announced body experience, an angel came to them, we tell them, my name is Uriel. So there are such names as Michael, as Gabriel, as Raphael, beautiful names, but nobody knows them amongst men. There are billions of angels. Nobody knows their name. The only name we know is the name of Christ. Why? Christ's name would have still been in heaven. When God appeared to Abraham and said, I am the Almighty, the name Jesus Christ had been in heaven. Nobody knows it. When he told Moses, I am Yahweh, that name had been there. Nobody knows it. When he said that I am Adonai, that name had been there. Because he was in heaven. But as soon as he came on earth and he came to die, then he asked to give us the authority of his name. That now, this is my identity. The name of a person is his identity. And what's the name? Jesus Christ, Yeshua, the one that saves. So if God had saved you, and what does it mean to be saved? Very simple. You just received the gospel. What is the gospel that Christ died for you? Why did he die? Because I was a sinner. Because I have degenerated because of the fall and the disobedience of the first man. Apostle Paul called them the creature. They were subjected to vanity. Not willfully, but by the will of him that subjected so that they can be hope for you. First Peter chapter 1 verse 3, he had begotten us into a living hope by the resurrection of Christ. So it is the resurrection of Christ that saves a man. Now, how does a man become born again? Apostle Paul told us that salvation is very simple. It comes by just listening. You don't need to make any sense. Once you listen to the gospel and you believe that what he said is truth, then you are saved. And at the moment you are saved, something must happen to you. You must have a change of mindset, a change of worldview, and your character must change. You begin to pace after the one who saved you. You want to know this God that had come on this side of you. And you begin to see this God. You begin to see that this God is humility, as you must be. This God is plainness, you must be. This God is love, you must be. This God is righteousness, decay, you see, nay, living upright, living without anything to hide back from it. That's what you must be. So, fraud, so friend, you have an assignment. Not just to be the king of your town. Not to be the president or the CEO of that corporation. Not to be a successful career person. Not to be a parent, not be, to be a pastor, to know the father. To know what is the fellowship of the mystery. Now, what is the fellowship of the mystery? As Apostle Paul refers to in Ephesians chapter 2. Now, actually, he says that, that we may know what is the fellowship of the mystery. Now, the question I intended to ask is, is what is a mystery? Hidden thing. That which is coded. That which had not been disclosed before time. 
So he now talks about fellowship coming to relate with this mystery. And what is this mystery? In Acts chapter 2, Apostle Paul told us that this mystery is that the Gentiles will be fellow years and that Christ by his body will make both Gentiles and Greek one so that we become God's okodom, God lives in us, we become God's relative. Oneness with the Father. So when Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 3 that God had called him to make all men to see what is the fellowship of this ministry, that is to make all men to see what we what will become of them, what their life will look like as they become to as they begin to relate with the fact that God had brought them to Himself, as they begin to make the most use of their ability to now assess God. So you can't be born again, something will not happen in your life. Your character will change. Not for bad, for good. You will not know how it happens sometimes. But we'll just see that something drops off you. Anger drops off. Hatred drops, drops off. Envy drops off. Bitterness drops, drops, uh, drops or, uh, drop off. So the person who is still struggling with self, struggling with sin, struggling with masturbation, struggling against all he wouldn't want to do, although he had set resolutions and he had set things he wants his life to be like, and each time he had set those things, he had not been able to meet them because he had not encountered Christ. Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, he said, you have not learned Christ. If you have learned Christ, you see that the truth, I mean, the truth about how you have got to live your life, what you are to do with your life, how you are to deal with others and relate with others is found in Christ. So what is the knowledge of God? It's the revelation of who God is in that he wants us to be exactly who he is. Now let me show you a few scriptures. And by this scripture I want to point out what righteousness is. Since God is righteous, we have got to see him as a righteous father. I know that many people carry different ideas about God. Some believe that he's a deity, some believe that he's a ghost, you know, a lot of sayings about him. And some of our claims of belief about God are the things that we have been informed in our neighborhood. And most of those things are not correct. But check this. The goal of faith. The end result of responding to Jesus' atonement for us to live like God. And let me show you a few scriptures. Galatians chapter 5. You have heard the statement that God saved you like you are. And that is true. God saved us just as we are, but does not want us to remain as we are. He wants want us to be like Him. Ephesians chapter. I was about to show you a scripture. I've forgotten it. I've forgotten it. The truth is in Christ. How you want to look? Okay, let me show you Ephesians chapter 4. I'll read from verse. From verse 18. Having the understanding. No, let me read from verse 17. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as the other Gentiles walk in the vibrancy of their mind. So a believer is to live his life certainly. Not like the other believers. Verse 19. Who being past feelings had given themselves over to lavishness and to walk all uncleanness with greediness. That's how we are living before we came to Christ. We were greedy. We are dirty in our thoughts. Verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ, but this is not what Christ is. So Christ is another institution. That was why I told that the reason institution calls the knowledge of God. 
and I'm trusting God that God will flood me with light and revelation to write a book on that. That this knowledge is an embodiment. It's not just being born again. How do I know? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16. Apostle Paul said, After I've heard of your faith, I do not cease to pray for you that you will know the depth of God's love, that you may understand the same power that he demonstrated in Christ when he raised him from the dead, that you may be able to lead to the Father by yourself. By yourself. By yourself. God wants relationship. And he wants it now. And what did Buddha teach you? A time alone with the Father. Who be in the past, Philip, verse 19, gave themselves over to lavishness to walk all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not sold the Christ. If so be that you have learned him and have been taught by him, that if you are born again, really, as the truth is in Christ, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. So my former ways of life is an old man. So what I used to be was not God's intention. So if you are not born again, you are living the life God doesn't want you to live. And that life is provoking and attracting God's anger. You have not so learned Christ and have not been taught by him as the truth is in Christ that you put off as former conversation your former way of life, the old man which is corrupt according to the secret laws and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that is put up the mind of the spirit begin to take on you begin to align yourself, begin to walk worthy of the spirit of God in you verse 24 and that you put on on the new man which was after God is created in righteousness and holiness wherefore putting away lying speak every man truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another the scriptures continue so there is an expectation for my life I am praying for an encounter with the father that I will understand the scripture that I will see the father that my ears will be opened can you pray in the name of Jesus